You're listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice. All right, my friends, uh, beginning with this podcast, I would like to spend some time on that second hand of parenting in Ephesians 6.4. You'll remember I spoke of uh, those two things Paul refers to after telling parents, or rather fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Uh, He says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And I talked about two-handed parenting. Uh, We spent some time this spring talking about discipline of the Lord. And now I want to spend some time, next few uh, podcasts, talking about the subject of parental instruction. You remember uh, how broad that word is for instruction in Ephesians 6.4. It's the word nuthesia, or instruction. It's the word that Paul uses in other places, really, to describe his whole pastoral ministry in the congregations that he uh, was planting and and caring for. Uh, So when we talk about the instruction of the Lord, we're not just talking about uh, teaching truth, imparting knowledge, uh, but the word and the concept is much bigger and richer than that. It's also about urging others to obedience to the truth. So that's why it's an appropriate word to use for what pastors do. They're not just teaching their congregations the contents of the Bible. They're calling their congregations. They're urging their congregations uh, to to be and to uh, live in keeping with the Word of God. And that's what parents are called to do uh, in God's Word with their children. Uh, Really, we could all speak of ourselves as parents— uh, as youth ministers. I know that's an expression that has come to be associated with people on staff of local churches. They are paid, uh, oftentimes full-time, to teach our children. But uh, friends, uh, my fellow parents, uh, that's what you are by calling. You are your children's youth ministers. Uh, you're in the business of shaping their hearts by means of words, uh, your words to be sure, but your words as they convey to our children, your children, uh, the Word of God. So that's a big subject I'm beginning to take up today. It's uh, uh, a vast subject, how to teach our children. Well, that's quite uh, a lot. I'm going to start today with the kind of teaching that is, we might say, uh, the least formal Uh, And yet, at the same time, it's the kind of teaching that's the most frequent uh, in a Christian home. Uh, It may involve the least amount of intentionality, but it also happens to do some of the most comprehensive shaping of our children uh, into the image of Christ. And I'm I'm calling it uh, today everyday instruction, and I have in mind that pattern Uh, that's laid out for us in that famous parenting passage in the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 6. I've referenced this before, but let me read it again. I want to spend a few minutes uh, meditating on this passage with you. Uh, Moses says, on behalf of God, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as a frontlet before your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, I want to make several observations about the kind of teaching role that we parents are called to have in our children's lives. And friends, I especially have these observations in mind for parents who, well, don't actually think of themselves as teachers. You've got a certain profile of what makes a good teacher uh, in all modesty. You think that's not really me. And so this may be one of the harder parts in your mind uh, of uh, Christian parenting, this emphasis on being our kids' teachers. Uh, Here's the first thing I want to say from Deuteronomy 6. Uh, Friends, the ultimate goal for our children and all our teaching of them is their love for the Lord. Uh, When you think of teaching your children, you may have uh, thoughts of certain kinds of facts that need to be imparted, certain kind of knowledge they need to understand. And indeed, there's going to be a lot of truth that we want to impart to our kids On the other hand, you might also think of teaching in terms of obedience. There's a certain kind of teaching that goes with discipline, uh, for example, as we've already talked about, um, bringing about a certain kind of behavior in our children. But here's what I don't want us to overlook in this Deuteronomy 6 passage as it emphasizes our teaching our children. It comes in the wake of that wonderful summary of all that God wants from us as his covenant people, and that is he wants our love. So Moses just said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. By the way, when you hear that command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. I realize that that is a convicting thing to hear God say to us because we uh, instantly know how fall, how far fall we, how far we fall short. I think that's what I want to try to say uh, in this particular area of whole soul love for the Lord. But guys, uh, think about it uh, another way as well. Think of this, uh, St. Augustine first uh, awakened me to this reality. Think of this as God uh, sharing with us what is his great desire, what is his great delight, and that is that he be chief in our affections. Who are we? Augustine would say it this way. Who are we that God would be so desirous of having so much of us. Who are we? It could be convicting that he says this, rightly so. It ought to also be thrilling. It also ought to be almost embarrassing uh, in a good sort of way that God wants uh, this much from us, this much love. 
uh, directed at him. In any case, that's the context for this passage on teaching our children. It's having been summoned to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and might that we then turn and teach our children. Here's another way of saying this first point uh, about teaching, having the goal of the love of God in our children. Folks, uh, teaching as parents is nothing more and it is nothing less than what we call Christian discipleship. Uh, The teaching that the Scripture is so insistent upon uh, for us in our parenting is about leading our children into a deeper and deeper relationship with Christ himself. Now, we're going to have occasion, Lord willing, uh, in some podcasts down the road uh, to talk about getting a good education for our kids, reading, writing, arithmetic, and all the rest. But let me just say right now, that is not the nuthesia that Paul is talking about. That's not what Moses is so urgently calling for in parents. Uh, Moses, in the passage that we're looking at, Deuteronomy 6, is speaking to those who they themselves have a relationship with God of love, and he wants them to lead their children in their own relationship with God of love. So you can devote yourself to giving your kids a good education in all manner of uh, academic uh, measures, uh, but be careful. Um, Purely seeking a good education for our children is a surefire way to gain the whole world for them and lose uh, their souls. So this is about Christian discipleship. And here's the good news before I give you some of the bracing news uh, in light of this first point. The good news is, parents, are you Christians? Do you love the Lord Jesus? Well, then you are fundamentally qualified to teach your kids because teaching them how to love the Lord is the thing uh, that God wants you to teach them to do. I think sometimes... This whole idea of discipleship, being someone else's discipler, well, it's rather intimidating. I've encountered this many times in the church. People assume, well, there's a certain special gift that's required to be a discipler of somebody else. Well, my fellow parents, it's called the gift of being a dad, the gift of being a mom. That's what qualifies you as a Christian, to be a discipler. And you are qualified to teach your children the thing that God most wants them to learn if you yourself have a real and growing relationship with Christ. You've got what you need. Uh, Over the years, I have uh, tried to be a, a kind of pastoral matchmaker between older Christians and younger Christians in the church, a younger a believer who needs discipleship, the mentoring, uh, the teaching uh, of an older Christian. And I find many older Christians so daunted by that, so at a loss what to do about that, intimidated by the prospect of discipling others. And I find myself, I have found myself wondering, uh, is it because we don't understand uh, what parenting actually is? Parenting is nothing more, it's nothing less than discipleship, and most Christians become parents, and so most Christians uh, should have a lot of experience in this thing called uh, discipleship. 
Here's uh, something I also want to point out, though, in light of this. Not only are you qualified to do this if you're a Christian, but your teaching of your children how to love the Lord will only be as good as your own relationship of love to Christ. That's uh, a more bracing reality as an implication of this. See what uh, Moses says again in verse 6. These words I command you today shall be on your heart. And then he goes on to say, you shall teach them diligently to your children. What words will be on parents' hearts? Well, those words about loving the Lord with all that is in them. So notice the order. Uh, Parents, the words you're teaching to your children have to be first on your heart. That is God's call to love him as a shaping influence in your life. And out of that experience, we lead our children in the ways of that same love for God. So uh, let's demystify this whole thing called teaching our children. It's about telling our children of God's love for them. It's about calling our children to love him in response. And it's about showing our children uh, what loving the Lord looks like. All this, of course, uh, reminding me of how many times I have thought, wow, uh, there have been few things that have been more of a prod to me in my own pursuit of relationship with the Lord uh, as being a parent. Uh, parenting is a means of grace because it, mi- it makes us mindful of the fact that we're called to lead other people into a relationship with the Lord, deeper and deeper into a relationship of love with the Lord, and we can't do it unless we're doing it ourselves, we're seeking it ourselves. So embrace that, my fellow parents. Embrace that phenomenon, that fact that your responsibility for someone else's love relationship with the Lord uh, can be a wholesome prod and goad to us to be in pursuit of that relationship ourselves. Parenting is one of the greatest of all means of grace and God's good providence. So the ultimate goal for our children in all our teaching is their love for the Lord. You got that from Deuteronomy 6? I hope so. Uh, Let's move on to a second thing I see in Deuteronomy 6, this everyday instruction uh, passage, Uh, and that's this, teaching our children requires our own lifelong learning as parents. So that's uh, what I need to say. In addition to the fundamental qualification, uh, bring our children up in the instruction of the Lord, uh, has as its fundamental qualification our own relationship with the Lord, but there needs to be a growing relationship with the Lord, uh, which is another way of saying all good teachers teach out of what they are learning, both have learned and are learning. That's what makes the best teaching. It's getting it, receiving it from somebody who's a learner. Of course, that's what's happening in Deuteronomy. Moses is himself teaching these men and women all that God has revealed to them in his word, and he's telling them to do for their children what he's doing with them. Listen to the way Deuteronomy 6 actually begins, the very beginning of the chapter. Uh, Moses says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you're going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, 
And then he goes on, you and your son and your son's son. You see the linkage there. The parents are learning from what Moses is saying, and they're teaching out of what they have learned. I realize this may seem like something too obvious to need emphasis, but um, I'm not sure that every parent grasps this, both the encouragement of it and the challenge of it, that the call to be a parent is the call to be a student of God's Word. Um, it's like the call to be a pastor. <clears throat> I, um, uh, When I uh, received, finally, in very outward and objective ways, a call to be a pastor of what is now Resurrection Presbyterian Church, I did not think to myself, oh, I'm only, well, as the case was, 25 when I received that call. Uh, I have not the knowledge uh, to teach this congregation the whole counsel of God. Well, I certainly did have that sense, but it didn't keep me from accepting that call for this primary reason. I recognized that the call to the ministry is a call to study God's Word in order to teach others. Um, it's a call to be a student in order to be a teacher. And the, a student never studies more than a good teacher does. So here's the good news, my fellow parents. This whole realm that we're beginning to talk about, this realm of teaching our children, uh, the good news is you don't have to know it all at the outset of parenting. You surely do not. Uh, perhaps you became a parent uh, when you were still just barely figuring out what Christianity is. And now you suddenly have children, and you are perhaps thinking, I have more questions than I have answers right now. That's just fine. That is just fine. Be encouraged. Uh, your job as a parent uh, is to be a pursuer of wisdom from God. And as you do that, you'll have what you need to impart that to your children. That's what they need. They need to have the benefit of not just receiving what you've learned, but watching you uh, learn it and imitating you as a learner. Um, so you say, I, I am not a teacher. I am not a Bible teacher. I am not a Sunday school teacher in the sense that we have in the church of that word. I say to you, no problem. Are you a Bible student? If you're a Bible student, then you will have what you need, when you need it, uh, to teach your kids. Every time I start a new uh, sermon series, like I'm uh, just now studying to start a series in the book of Genesis, and um, I have this sense as I embark on a, on a study through a book of the Bible um, I need to know more about this book in order to start this series. I certainly have that sense right now as I am studying this um, most foundational of all Bible books, the book of Genesis. But here's the comfort I have when I am go ahead and start a series. I have a comfort that God is going to bless my on-the-way pursuit of understanding, and uh, I'm going to have what I need as a student of the Word of God, uh, to be a teacher or a preacher, in this case, of the Word of God. So parents, the same is true of you. This is for your encouragement, but here is a more bracing word in light of this. Please, parents, don't expect 
wisdom in your children. Don't expect learning in your children apart from your own ongoing pursuit of it. I am not now talking about parents who are of the bookish sort. Um, You know, the kind of man or woman who always has a book in hand, uh, who has stacks of books next to their chair uh, or on their um, uh, bedside table. They'd rather read than ride a bike or what have that. That's not the standard the scripture gives us for being a good teacher of our children. That's an academic standard. Um, Hey, I admit it's one near and dear to me, but it's not the standard for what makes a good teacher as a parent. You do not have to uh, have uh, bookishness as part of your personality. I'll even go so far as to say you don't even have to know how to read to do what Moses is calling God's people to do in Deuteronomy 6. And I say that because most most of those people hearing Moses were, in fact, illiterate people. They could hear and they could understand the Word of God as taught to them, but they didn't have the Word of God on their bedside table. They didn't know how to read, and they didn't have access to it, even if they did know how to read, at least at that, at that level. Being a good Christian parent, which is to say a teacher of our children— it doesn't require becoming a book lover, but it, I will say this, it does require a love for one book and a growing understanding of the truth of that one book. Okay, so in that sense, every Christian parent is bookish, at least in this one sense. The Bible is their ongoing focus of study, investigation, and devotion, uh, and kids see that. And kids receive the benefit of that uh, as parents learn. Let me press this a little bit further even, parents. Uh, Let me say that um, I think this is not just the observation I've made over the years. I think we could all see something of this if you've been in the covenant community for any length of time. It's very typical for new Christians uh, to become spiritually inquisitive people, uh, to be hungry for learning Uh, even people who didn't like to read in general begin to want to read the Bible, all right? Uh, Begin to want even to read books that tell them how to understand the Bible. So they get this one particular area of, of, of interest in terms of study. They're excited. There's a world of understanding that's opening up to them. They, they want to be part of Bible studies. Uh, They come to love being under the preaching of the word in the local church. And, um, this is not. This doesn't have anything to do with whether they like to read Shakespeare or scientific journals or what have you. This is something very spiritual. It's a spiritual love of learning. It cuts across all personality types, all kinds of um, uh, individuals. Uh, this is what happens when uh, the experience of salvation enters into someone's Uh, life, they become inquisitive, they become learners, they become eager to grow in their knowledge of the Lord in his word. Now, uh, this is a very common thing to see, praise be to God. It's also common, my friends, to see men and women uh, lose this love of spiritual learning. 
Uh, they may have had it all in college. They may have had it all in the early days of their marriage. But, well, they settle into a demanding job. They become uh, content with the lessons of the past, you might see, say. They cease to be avid learners. And uh, this is where I'm wanting to press my point. Moms, dads, uh, this isn't just bad for you. Uh, it's bad for your children, you don't have to retain some kind of maniacal uh, enthusiasm from your early conversion days if you had that. Uh, but there does need to, to be, a, as a settled part of your life, day in and day out, uh, urge to grow in your own understanding of God's world and the world in light of God's word in order for your children uh, to learn from you as God calls them to do. I think some parents recognizing they just don't have that kind of uh, love for spiritual learning uh, try, at least it's very tempting, uh, to just delegate this. They're going to delegate the instruction of their children and the things of, the, of, of, of God uh, to their Sunday school teachers, um, to their Christian school teachers, to their youth group leaders and other children's ministries coordinators. Uh, they're going to delegate it to the pastor. He's going to be the one who does that. And uh, parents, those are all valuable resources in our children's lives, to be sure. But uh, God's Word uh, won't let us off the hook. It won't let us delegate the primary responsibility to be our children's teachers. Um, Deuteronomy's uh, six is quite clear. You are your children's primary instructor by God's own design. So the ultimate goal for our children and all our teaching, number one, is their love for the Lord. Number two, uh, teaching our children requires our own lifelong learning as parents. I think that also can be seen in Deuteronomy 6. And then uh, number three, what Deuteronomy 6 is probably most famous for, the instruction of our children in the Lord arises out of countless casual conversations. Isn't that what Jeremy 6 is so well known for? It's the utter ubiquity, uh, we might say, of parental instruction. Teach them diligently to your children, verse 7 says, and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk, by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. By the way, it would seem that Moses is not content with the notion of quality time in our parenting. You know that expression? That's the idea that, well, it's not so much how much time you have with your kids, being good parents to them, but it's how intentional you are in making good use of the time that you have. That's the notion of quality time. And I'm not going to say there's nothing to uh, that notion. Uh, we do need to be intentional about uh, using our time well with our children. But uh, this passage, and I think it's borne out by the larger testimony of the Scripture, God really expects a great deal of quantity time as well. In other words, parental instruction, you get the sense from Deuteronomy 6, that just fills our days, the days of our children the everyday moments of uh, those days. It's as if God wants our children to grow up 
awash with our words, our words of instruction, the instruction of Jesus, uh, as the Apostle Paul speaks of it. So, uh, we're told to teach our children uh, teach our children diligently when we sit in our house, think breakfast or lunch or supper, mealtimes, uh, when you walk by the way, think perhaps in our day of car time, traveling, commuting, what have you, when you lie down, it's the last words of the day. When you rise up, it's the first words of the day. And of course, it's the idea is there's not just specially designated times for instruction. By the way, I want to speak to that issue. Next podcast, Lord willing, will be on specially designated times for instruction. But here in Deuteronomy 6, it's talking about all the time, all the casual, conversational ways that you and I as parents have opportunity uh, to instruct our children. Folks, I think Deuteronomy 6 is talking about a culture of conversation, uh, in our homes, conversation uh, that gives rise to our speaking in everyday ways about the things of God. My point here is that the teaching of the Lord uh, takes place in the context of countless conversations. I think uh, uh, parents of children, anything older than, say, toddlers, Uh, have realized this, you realize that there are all kinds of really intentional moments where you've aimed for instruction, and they have, well, (laughs) in some cases, uh, just not gone over like you'd hoped. But then there are these other occasions when you didn't have any intention, and as a matter of fact, you had other things on your agenda, and those opportunities just fall in your lap. Opportunities to say things to your children that will be instructive to them. We call them Uh, teaching moments. Some of the best moments are unplanned of that nature. And um, my friends, um, I think I was slow in my ministry to realize the extent to which uh, vast numbers of families, uh, even Christian families included, uh, simply don't have this. They don't have this culture of conversation. Um, I, I say I was slow. I, I I think it has taken me some time to realize how many Christian parents and their kids uh, never really talk. There's an absence of this kind of effective parental instruction because, well, there's just not much talking. And I find this to be uh, a, a very grievous uh, and ironic thing, uh, because, uh, my friends, you know this, even the unbelieving world, even the un, uh, non-Christian world recognizes this problem of parents who don't talk to their kids. We hear uh, public service announcements of various kinds, government agencies of all things, who have helpful reminders to us to talk to our kids and helpful pointers to us about how to talk to our kids about this subject or that subject. Thank you for all that input, um, government agencies and so on. But folks, um, the men of this world can sometimes be wiser uh, than the men of 
uh, the covenant. There's a lot of reasons, I realize, uh, why a home would not have a culture of conversation, a culture of communication. Uh, It could be dad, who is just too busy uh, or too distracted or too distant uh, to have meaningful conversation with his kids. Uh, It could be mom, who's exclusive concern to speak is uh, to scold uh, or to nag uh, or to use words that are of a disciplinary nature. It could be that uh, there's no culture of conversation in many Christian homes because there's just too much tension in the house for anybody to want to talk. So everybody just goes to their room. And these are some serious uh, sin issues that undergird um, a lack of this culture of conversation. Um, I am not so much uh, interested here in addressing those uh, serious sin issues. Uh, Here's what I want to do with just the last few minutes of this podcast. I want to speak uh, to what is, you might say, a more innocent reason for um, the lack of a culture of communication. And that is, uh, I'm convinced there are many parents, many good dads and moms who just don't know how to talk to their kids. They don't know what to say. Um, There's no talking, and as a result, there's very little teaching, at least in the Deuteronomy 6 kind, and it may have everything to do with this reality. Um, You, perhaps, never grew up uh, in that kind of home. You you don't know what it looks like. Uh, Your son, your daughter... Uh, isn't just naturally given to it. You are perhaps um, the strong, silent type, as we say of some men. Um, and, and and so it's what I'm speaking of is a category um, that you simply don't have. Uh, I can imagine uh, some of my listeners at this point saying, Pastor, it's all easy for you to say. Obviously, words come easy for you. You are, after all, a professional talker. You obviously have the gift of gab. Just look at how long your podcasts are. But some of us aren't talkers. Conversation doesn't come easily. And folks, I think there's a fair point in that. Um, I am aware uh, that for some, it's the talking that's the hardest part of Christian parenting. Before I say anything else, I just want to remind uh, us, God doesn't call us to anything by way of duty that he's not also willing to give by way of gift. All our duties are themselves gifts that God gives to those who recognize their duty and recognize their inability uh, to rise to that calling. So uh, with prayer... Uh, with uh, an earnest plea to the Lord to show you how to be uh, a good talker with your children in order to be a good teacher. Uh, Let me just be, uh, at the risk of perhaps sounding a little pedantic, let me just give a few tips uh, for my fellow parents who are non-talkers. And I have in mind uh, kinds of conversations generally within which teaching can occur. I think that's what Deuteronomy 6 is. I I don't think Deuteronomy 6 is talking about just reciting Scripture. Uh, When you rise, when you uh, 
lie down, when you sit, when you walk, just reciting pure scripture. I think it's conversations within which teaching can occur. Here's a few simple, not particularly profound, but hopefully helpful tips for the non-talker. Number one, ask thoughtful questions of your kids. I was taught in my own home growing up, this is elementary to just making conversation in general. Making conversation with anyone is to ask thoughtful questions, to invite the person you're talking to, to tell them about themselves. Um, as you do that, you're doing something at basic to good relationship in general. You're seeking to know. And so ask parents, ask your kids thoughtful questions. You might uh, be a little more thoughtful than how was your day? Okay, that's a fair question, but not in particular thoughtful. It puts all the burden on your son or daughter to come up with uh, the answer. Um, What did you learn in school might be a little bit more thoughtful, but how about asking, you know, you, you told me about something the other day that you're encountering in class. Um, tell me more about that. Did that did that come up again today? Um, do you, do you see any uh, good way through that? What have you? Ask thoughtful questions. Number two, parents, can I just remind you to share about yourself uh, with your children? When I was um, a parent of younger children, um, I was surprised at times at how fascinated my young children were with stories of my childhood. I didn't find them particularly fascinating myself, uh, but they hung on every word when I would tell them about this or that or the other feature of my upbringing. Uh, Don't overlook, uh, my fellow parents, the opportunity to make conversation by sharing about yourself, your upbringing, the things that Uh, You're currently thinking about and experiencing. Um, That's the other piece of just relational dynamics. You seek not only to know, but you seek to be known. So that's what the first two tips are. Ask thoughtful questions. Share about yourself. Did I ever tell you about the time? Number three, (laughs) uh, debrief on daily life. I'm using words that are fairly common in the Trice home, this word debrief. Um, When our children were young, if they experienced anything that was exciting to them uh, or an enjoyment or even traumatic or whatever, they wanted to tell you about it. They wanted to tell you about it um, loud and long sometimes. Um, Parents, that won't always be the case. Um, If you don't foster that, if you don't promote that childish instinct to debrief with you as their parents, there will come a time when um, there's no particular interest to debrief with you on things that they have experienced. So make that a part of your conversation with your children. Talk about the things they just experienced. Talk to them about the weekend outing. Talk to them about uh, the test or the quiz. Talk to them about uh, what they watched the night before, what have you. Uh, if you do, uh, it will yield uh, rich dividends all the way up into their adulthood years when both of you have this sort of itch 
if you've experienced a certain amount of life without debriefing, you get this itch to, well, to talk about it uh, with each other. Debrief on daily life. Number four, my tip uh, for talking, uh, discuss what you yourself are learning. Um, I'll be talking about family devotions in the next podcast, but um, for now, what you learned in Sunday school, what you learned under the preaching of the Word, uh, what you learned in your own Bible reading um, uh, individually, uh, these are things that now moving even more directly into this realm of teaching, these are things that make for first conversation that that can lead so very uh, well to um, instruction. Um, if you have uh, Sunday dinner, uh, when you have uh, the habit I've seen in many families over the years, um, uh, some in our own congregation at Resurrection, if you have the habit of, of talking about the sermon um, that everybody just sat under that morning, uh, you've got a very ripe uh, tradition, uh, culture of conversation for uh, biblical instruction uh, the last tip I have is talk about problems. Talk about problems. Uh, this isn't the first. Uh, if you don't have um, a larger culture conversation, uh, it can be very demanding to to have a, let's talk about what just happened, or let's talk about what happened earlier today, a problem that has arisen. Uh, conversations that arise in the heat of the moment of a conflict, I think we've talked about this, uh, not often as useful as conversations that uh, are brought up after the fact uh, in order uh, to think together about what is good and right to pursue in light of the, the tension or the sin or the problem that has arisen. Uh, friends, I have a confession to make here as I give these tips for non-talkers. I confess that I have had particularly my fellow fathers uh, in mind. Brothers, brothers, uh, we tend to be the ones who do too little edifying talking in our homes. We tend to leave that to our wives. And I just want to remind my fellow fathers that Ephesians, that talks about the instruction of the Lord, well, it's explicitly addressed to fathers, dads are being called to bring up their children in the instruction of the Lord. You may think of yourself as the strong, silent type, but friends, fathers, uh, silence as a rule is not a strength when it comes to Christian parenting. Uh, we lead our homes by means of words more than anything else. And dads, in a traditional home at least, you will be the one with fewer opportunities for these spontaneously casual conversations. Uh, the hours in your day are more limited for that. So here's my final tip, and this is particularly for dads. Uh, establish a pattern, dads, I say with uh, all my heart. Establish a pattern early of dad dates with each of your kids. Um, the date with dad. That's the recurring opportunity for dad and son, dad and daughter uh, to go out, 
to get ice cream or what have you, a Coca-Cola, and just to talk. I can't emphasize too much the blessing this has had in my home and other homes that I've seen it uh, in place. This culture of the date with dad, kids realizing, growing up in their home, their turn is coming for dad to say, let's go out. And knowing that dad's agenda most of the time uh, is really simple. It's just to talk. So it's this combination of the super intentional, because you're going out, you're sitting at a table at the Chick-fil-A or what have you, super intentional and uber casual. It's no agenda other than just talking, at least most times. Uh, it's a relationship building thing. And here's my point in, in this particular case. Uh, it can be a matrix for a great deal of that Deuteronomy 6 teaching uh, that we've been looking at. So dads, pick your spot. Uh, start your tradition. Saturday morning breakfast at the local uh, diner. Um, Chick-fil-A at the end of your workday on Tuesdays. Whatever it is, you know or you will know uh, that you've succeeded in creating a little culture of conversation with the dad date uh, when your son or daughter says to you, Dad, is it my turn for a date soon? I have some stuff I want to talk to you about. Guys, that's when you have arrived, <laughs> if I can say it that way, uh, in establishing at least between you and that son or daughter a, a, a real measure of a culture of conversation uh, out of which uh, the instruction of the Lord uh, can naturally arise. Well, we'll move on from this next time to uh, looking at a more higher octane instruction in the Lord, if you will. Uh, but that's enough uh, for one day from your pastor with his gift of gab. I need to let you go. Um, thanks for listening. Take heart, my friends. Christ is risen. You've been listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice, a ministry of Resurrection Presbyterian Church in Matthews, North Carolina. If you've been blessed by today's podcast, consider sharing it with someone you know. And thank you for joining us.